for listening to Latinx Lit Audio Mag. I'm your host, Teresa Douglas, and today we're going to be talking to Melissa Nunez. Melissa is a Latina writer and homeschooling mother of three from the Rio Grande Valley. Her essays and poetry have appeared in Sledgehammer Lit, Yellow Arrow Journal, Soceros, and others. She's also a staff writer for Alebrejes Review. Her writing is inspired by observation of the natural world, the dynamics of relationships, and the question of belonging. You can follow her on Twitter at Melissa K. Nunez or visit her website www.melissaknunez.com. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for, for coming, for, for having, having some time to spend to talk with us. And as you know, as a, as a multiple contributor now, to Latinx Lit, uh, we do ask very, very important, hard-hitting, food-related question, and that is, what is your favorite comfort food? And since you answered this before, if your answer hasn't changed, what do you like eating the most in the fall? Oh, thank you. Yes, well, thank you for having me back again. And I love listening to the answer to these questions. And I actually do have a new favorite. Um, just Ooh. these past couple of months, we started visiting a new uh, panaderia, and I discovered the Garibaldi. Um, I've heard it compared to like an upside down cake and the way it's presented. It's like this uh, muffin sized pound cake. And then after they cook it, they coat it in apricot jam and then these like white sugar pearls. And they're just it's like so decadent to me. It's just like a real treat. So I try to like only visit on weekends, you know, because I like I could eat it every day. Um, and I also just loved their hybrid history. I actually looked them up because the name was interesting to me. And um, they were made in Mexico City, but by an Italian baker. And so that's why they hmm. have that name. It's like an Italian name. So something that has like a hybrid culture always has a special place in my heart because I'm, you know, of mixed heritage. So those things make me feel like, hey, you know, this is a perfect match for me. So that's my new favorite uh, treat right now. Okay. If you hear me writing things down, it's I'm going to try to track this down. That sounds amazing. Actually, that's good recipes. I found some even like a, like a video tutorials on how to make them. So I'm hoping to try to make some of my own soon. Yeah. And, and hybrid food, I, I have you there. And, and honestly, like pan dulce in general, like you see the ones that are shaped like croissants. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm, French influence. There we go. Still, still very Mexican. Yeah. Um, and if that's not a metaphor, I don't know what is. Um, so thank you for sharing this. And, and especially because now I have a, a new food to try. Always love that. But but before we let ourselves get too off track, because I could talk about food for days, I would love to talk a little bit about your story. And then toward the end, since you, you have been on the podcast before, just ask you some things about the fact, as we mentioned in your bio, you're a contributor at the Daily Drunk Mag and at Yellow Arrow very consistently. You're a staff writer for Alebrijes Review. And I think talking through some of those experiences will probably also be interesting to our listeners. 
But before, before, before we do that, I have to say that four times. No, that was three. Before, there's one more. Uh, We do that. Let's talk about your piece. And I am not going to try to butcher the French, even though I'm in Canada and it's the second official language here, uh, because I do know that part of that title is Life in the Pink or Life in Red. Can we start by just talking about this piece, like what sparked it and how you came to play on that idea of like rose-colored life or however that's translated. In fact, why don't you help me out and tell me how that's translated? Well, actually, it's funny because I I even like looked it up uh, for my reading. (laughs) I was like, let me listen to it a bunch of times for the translation. I I don't speak French, but um, I, when I was writing the story and that uh, the color pink is, you know, the big theme, the big image there. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a friend who helps me. Um, we've been friends since uh, we were getting our MFAs in creative writing. And he's like one of my readers. And when I had my title as pink and like playing with that idea, you know, of like looking through rose colored glasses, he mentioned yeah. that. Because that's a famous song. And of course, I had heard it before uh, of using the song title as a title. And I was like, oh, wow, that's an awesome idea. And I felt like it just fit because like the the sentiment behind the song fits, you know, like the tone of the piece and then the color pink is there. So I can't take full credit <laughs> for that. But I mean, that's one of the awesome things about having writer friends and, you know, people that can help bounce ideas and look at your work. So um, yeah, once he mentioned that idea, I fell in love with using that song title as borrowing from it uh, for my piece. So that's fascinating. And and one of the things that I loved, because I I also had to look up the translation on this piece because I'd heard the song before. I thought the title with it here just takes on a whole new meaning is just wonderfully subversive uh, especially as we get to that last line uh, that that's really the punch on this piece this is what it is to love you I mean I heard that and I thought oh I need this piece I need this piece so much on this this uh, podcast so that's lovely but so that's the title and thank you for for <laughs> explaining some some of this let's to talk about the piece a little bit now. What was the the thing that sparked the idea for this piece and how did you go about writing it? Sure. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for the compliment. I wavered a little bit when I was ending there. I was like, I don't know if this is a complete ending, but the more I read it, I really liked um, how it felt, you know, to end right mm. there. Um, and you know, with the same as with my other creative nonfiction pieces, usually they just start with that, you know, inspiring actual event. Um, I have colored my hair since I was a teenager. I always wanted red hair as a little girl and I started with that and I've played around with different stuff. But this past year, especially since I was doing a lot of it by myself at home, I tried Mm. out this new brand of hair dye and this one specific it just was not good. It was leaving the color everywhere. And it was frustrating to say the least. I actually still have some stains on like the headboard of my bed is white. (laughs) And I'm going to have to look into if there's a different way of trying to get it off because I've tried like Clorox and different stuff. But anyway, so as I was seeing these little prints, I was leaving everywhere. And one day I was out for a walk and like wiping 
some more pink tinted sweat. I was like, you know what? There, there's something here. There's a story here. And I started getting, you know, that images of like shadows of memory and experience and just got pulled into, you know, the way people can like, you know, literally stain our our hearts. And mm-hmm. I just knew I had to expand this into a story. And, um, you know, so I started with the literal and trusting that I would get pulled into the, the metaphor, which I usually do and which I love to do. And I just really, yeah, I liked the way that it turned out. It's just, it's gorgeous. And, and so let's, let's talk about hair dye doing us wrong because I've had it, I've had that happen <laughs> too. And, and I love that you took this, this real world experience, especially having to do your own hair. I mean, during the pandemic, those of us that didn't want our natural color shining through had to do that um, <laughs> for a while and taking that as a metaphor because it's so apt because of the way people do. They, they leave these after effects, they leave these smudges on, on us. And as we go about our life, you know, for good or for bad, the echoes of them are there. And a lot of the, just that the way you put a lot of that in there, like red, of course, makes us think of blood, makes us think of wounds. So it could be because the experience was bad or because the person is left and the wound of their passing is is there. And it's so in that color red, it's, it's gorgeous that way. I love that you even brought in that ketchup bottle because that to me was very tactile. So, cause you just, this whole piece needs to be tactile. I mean, it's, it's, stuff being left everywhere. And I love the way that, that you work that in because the story is tiny. Um, it, I mean, on the page, it's three paragraphs and I didn't count the words. You probably know what, how, how long is this? Do you remember? I'm not quite sure. I want to say it's like probably like maybe five to 600. I don't think it can be one of my, my shorter pieces. Yeah. So let's say under a thousand words, it's, it's definitely yeah. over a hundred because I know what that looks oh, like no, on the page. 400. I, I looked 400. at 400. 400 awesome. words. That's one of my smaller ones. Yeah. So this, this piece is not that long. It's 400 words. It's so concise. And yet there's so much in here that's just kind of going around that central image. And I love that you just don't quit from that. Like we, we have the red, we have the idea of, of hemorrhaging on the hands, we have these things on your shirt and collar. So my question is, with how tightly this is written, were you able to to get it written all in one go? Did you have to go through several drafts? What was that process like? Usually with pieces like this, I will have what I call like, I guess like a complete container, like mm-hmm. I did get it all out in one go with with a draft. Like sometimes with other pieces, especially like with longer pieces, more detailed or threaded pieces, I might like take notes for a while. Like, oh, I have this idea and I'll add and I'll add and I'll add and then it'll start building. With this one, yeah, it was just, I have this idea, I sat down and I feel like I got those three paragraphs out. And then from there, for me, I'll usually look through something that I've learned, you know, through reading and feedback is what you mentioned, which I'm glad came across that way for you. Um, Those images are so important, um, especially like you said, for pieces this small, it's just everything needs to 
um, leave its mark, <laughs> which is to mm-hmm. move with the metaphor, continue it here. You know, it needs to be there for a reason. And so sometimes I'll have like an idea and I don't know quite how to say it yet. So I'll have mm-hmm. it there like, oh, something like this, you know, <laughs> like I'll leave yeah. a note there and then I'll think through it and come back. So that's how it was with this one. So one sitting for the you know, little container, the paragraphs, like I knew that was going to be the official length, give or take, and then just really going in and fine tuning all those images and details until I felt like there, you know, trying to find the balance of not overdoing it, but making sure everything is is working towards that ending um, that I have. And it really works. And and a question I would have then, because I, I would say that for a lot of writers, you might have something come up. You're like, there's something to this. This could be a thing. How did you sort of work through or did you consciously work through? Okay, this is this is something that that's leaving a mark. It's like a relationship. Did you did you just sort of let it work in, in the back of your brain for a while? Or did you sort of try to write out, okay, relationship, red hair dye that's doing me wrong? <laughs> Was there how how did that work for you? I think with this one, it was that initial spark of connection, uh, like in that moment, because I had been dealing Mm. with this leaving color for like a day or so before I had the idea. So first, it was just like, oh, this frustrating thing. Like, why is it still like? Because it's there in the story. Like literally, like I would wash my hands, you know, and I was like trying to like rub my hands with different cleaners, and it's like no matter what, because I continue to touch my hair, like I was continuing to transfer. And so it was just something in that moment outside. I was like, it's just, this is like, like a relationship. It's like a person. It's like, you know, when you try to rid yourself of like memories, but they keep coming back to you. Like just, it just happened. And sometimes um, I'm wondering if it might've been like the the book I was listening to, because I was listening to an audio book, like sometimes things just, you know, all line up this one event and this book I'm reading, and then I'm writing this thing, and it just all clicks. So that example of or that co- the correlation, it did come in that moment, but then deciding mm-hmm. what to do with it did take a little bit of time, like deciding that I wasn't going to come right out and say certain things until like the very ending, and then just say everything, you know, like yeah. deciding how to, you know, handle that information yeah it is a very big decision for each piece and sometimes I feel like it feels real natural and other times you know yeah you do have to kind of work work for it it. yes and sometimes I actually had an experience this week that I had another um like really strong image like an event and it was so short and I had I was like you know what this keeps popping up in my head I I want to uh, use it and I drafted and I just stopped writing it was like I I went through the event and then I was like and then I don't know and I put it <laughs> to the side and this was like you know maybe six months ago and I had it there and I kept thinking of it but I was like but I still don't know what to do with it and yeah. then I saw this uh like a call for submission that I was going to try to work for and then like come up with a draft for it and as I was drafting I was like you know what that event fits here you know so I pulled that you know very vivid description and I put it in this new piece and I was like oh great you know and it doesn't always happen but sometimes things like that happen to me as well where I have a great image or a great like metaphor and I have no place for it yeah (laughs) you know later on 
I, I have to say that points to something important, which is you actually recorded that image so that you had it for later. And I think sometimes we'll come up with something in the middle of your day. You're like driving or you're at a cafe or you're yelling at your children to put on their shoes or whatever it is. And something will come up. And if you don't record it, it might go away. And, and I like that point because, so, uh, I mean, if we're going to be honest, we might have an image, we might not be able to write it down at the moment, but, but the importance of recording those things somewhere, especially because you don't know if it's going to be a story on its own. You don't know if it's going to be a thing that's a great one-liner somewhere else, but none of these things are, are lost forever. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And I'm also a hypocrite because I'm saying this and I don't always do it. Um, yes, it can be hard, especially like you said, depending on what you're doing, when the idea hits, I've tried to, and I know I have improved over time, but I'm also not, you know, a hundred percent successful at it, but I've gotten better. Like, and I think with age, I have to, <laughs> like when I was younger, I felt like I was like, I'll remember this. And I <laughs> you know, usually would. And when I got to the point where I was like, no, I'm not remembering anymore. I had to write it down. But now yeah. it's also like remembering what you wrote down. Like I would just write down like three words, you know, like this, in this case, it could be like, oh, pink fingerprint mm -hmm. love. And I'd be like, you know, I, that would trigger for me. And now I'll like, look back and be like, what does that mean? I that <laughs> yeah. anymore, even like before I was like, well, I'll at least write down like keywords. And now it's like, no, no keywords. I have to write full sentences as many as I can, you know, yeah. even sometimes I'll like mistype and it's a jumble, but I'll get the gist of it. But yes, it is super important. And I'm trying to be better about getting it down because I don't want to lose <laughs> those images and ideas that, that are inspiring me. Yeah. And especially as, as adults where we're interrupted way more than we were, I'm going to argue, uh, than as teenagers and in our 20s, early 20s, you know, you, maybe you have to go to college and you've got a job, but there are places where you can just keep that in your brain. But as an adult, especially if you have children that love to interrupt 400 times a minute, it can be hard to hang on to those thoughts yeah. <laughs> and they, they get washed down the river of life. So yes. Um, and, and again, listeners, I'm saying this fully transparently as someone who doesn't do this all the time, you know, notepad, something, write, write down, as, as Melissa says, full sentences so that when you go back to it as an amnesiac writer and you're like, what, what am I doing? You will find it and it will be a little gift to you uh, that you can use to, to create things not exactly from scratch all the time. Yes, it's something you'll be so grateful for. That's happened to me multiple times recently where I'm like, wait, I already drafted this idea. Yes, like you know, I'm not starting from scratch here. It is a big gift to your future like, self. Thanks, past me. I have no idea how you were together because present me is not as together as past me seems to have been. So we're, we're talking about writing. This is actually a, a good time to talk a little bit about the fact you're, you're a contributor at the Daily Drunk Mag and at Yellow Arrow. You're a staff writer at Elibrijes Review. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and shout out Elibrijes Review. I have not met the, the head editor, but the number of stories I, I have seen that have been first published there that come to me, um, there's some fabulous things happening there. So way to go. Uh, love all that work. I, I see it. I, I, I 
it's just great. So thank you. But as somebody who is contributing at a couple of places and staff writing, I would love to hear your experience because there are writers out there that may be wondering, should I try to be a contributor somewhere? Should I try to do something more regular? Can you talk through a little bit what your experience has been like? And then maybe after that, we'll talk a little bit about tips you might give for someone who's thinking of doing the same thing. Sure, that sounds great. And I would also like to take a moment and second that shout out. <laughs> I've loved uh, finding Alebrija's review and um, the editor, yes, he does such great work uh, with promoting Latino authors and writers and artists. And I love finding places like that. And also this Latinx Lit Mag, it gives, you know, such a great place to come and find um, like-minded and people with similar backgrounds, you know, that writing that's very important to give a platform for. So yes, um, that has been awesome to see. And um, I think that I started looking for these opportunities or they started piquing my interest as a way of uh, writing consistently. And Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, really grateful for the opportunity of having Um, especially if it's a place that has like a similar, I guess, like writing philosophy or style as you, Um, because with each of these places, it's like consistent, but it's not like rigid, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not the type of person that does great with like these rigid deadlines, but each of these places, it's like, oh, a gentle reminder that, you know, if you can um, lose deadlines, like maybe once a month or every other month, stuff like that, you know, and then depending on your personality. But for me, stuff like that works great because I have a deadline to work towards, but I have some flexibility with other things that tend to happen in my life. So I started with Alebrijas Review and it has been a great home for many of my culturally inspired pieces. And, you know, he does a great job of promoting and I feel like the community around um, those magazines has been really great and uplifting. So it has been a really positive experience overall. And um, Yellow Arrow Publishing, they are, um, they publish uh, women and women identified writers. And so that is something that's also important to me. And they published one of my stories, I want to say last year, and um, they reach out, they have a great um, like community mind as well. So if you've published with them, they like to offer opportunities to work with them in different ways. And when Mm. I saw that they wanted like interviews, I thought it was a good opportunity to branch out. And I was like, I, you know, I think I would want to try that interviewing other writers. And so, um, I tried one and I really enjoyed it. And so I've been contributing some author interviews again, like every couple of months with them. So that has also been a great way to keep writing and also like try new genre of writing for me. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm fairly active on Twitter. Um, I'm not, my personality is not the type to, you know, uh, post like, multiple times a day and I really admire the people that can and are so helpful with what they share <laughs> with me I'm just like oh no I'm so scattered I feel like I'll post something that I'll end up wanting to take down later like that wasn't me at my smartest or something but um I like to look through Twitter for uh opportunities and then I saw the Daily Drunk Mag was looking for columnists and that one has been really fun because they are um pop culture oriented yeah. 
And they were specifically looking for an anime columnist. And that's something that my husband and I like to watch. So I thought that would be a really cool way to also like branch out while tapping into something that I'm already interested in. So I've done two columns and I'm working on my third one right now. And um, yeah, I mean, all three of them, I feel like they've been very positive experiences. So I think the biggest tips that I would have would be one, just to make sure that it's a place, a publication that fits with your interests and your views and your style and also just with your like personality and work ethic Mm -hmm. because like I said I I know some people I mean my older sister is a person that's like very scheduled and you know she has her little notebook she's so organized and I admire it so much and I'm like I know I would never be like that so maybe someone (laughs) like her would want you know a place that's a little bit more structured and with me I like to look for places that have those more flexible deadlines so I think that's a big thing to keep in mind and then also like the timing I feel like that's the only thing that even with the flexible deadline sometimes I'm like oh wait I haven't you know like this third column I'm like I need to get this done soon yeah (laughs) and the good thing is that I did pick something like balancing wanting to challenge yourself with you know not taking on too much so I feel like all of these things coincide with current interests, um, things that I was already going to try to do, like the interviews was something I was looking into. And so like, I feel like that lined up really nicely. And then like the pop culture, I'm not like looking for things. It's like, it fits into what I already do, you know, in my weekly (laughs) free time, I already watch anime. So writing about it, you know, should fit in well with that. And I'm not like going out of my way to like watch shows or movies that I would have never picked otherwise because I feel like if we if you do something like that um like maybe you're adding too much to your plate right or giving yourself too much to do when you're already like you said especially for uh writers who have families and children it's like yeah I have (laughs) I don't have as much free time as I would would like or would have had in the and and I like that. It's sort of the buffet of, of writing opportunities uh, and, and sounds very nicely balanced between your interests in, in different things, places you have like deep knowledge and anime. So I, I would say that, yes, definitely listeners, if you're thinking of, of doing something like this and, and becoming a regular contributor to different places, that that's a really smart way to approach it. So it look less at, I want to be a contributor anywhere and more at what are your interests? What can you do? What's your lifestyle and writing style like compared to how the the publication wants to receive their information? Yes. Well, Melissa, this has been, this has been so fun and I, I love hearing about your work. I love that you've come back to the, the podcast because we can see this trajectory. We'll be able to say we knew you when, uh, <laughs> And, and that's so fun. And thank you for coming. Um, and I know we said this in your bio at the beginning, but people can follow you, as you said, on Twitter at Melissa K. Nunez. And we're really looking forward to seeing all of the other things you come up with. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me again. It is so fun to have these conversations.